Welcome, everybody, to our weekly Torah podcast. This podcast is dedicated to Zecher Nishmas in memory of Mr. Held Pasternak, Herschel Ben David. This week's Torah portion is Parshas Toldos. As we continue the saga of the forefathers and the birth of the third of the forefathers, Bechir Shabbat was the greatest of the forefathers, Yaakov and his twin brother Esav. The Torah tells us, as young men already, one day, Vayazed Yaakov Nozid, Yaakov was cooking lentils. And Esav comes in from the field, who ayef, and he was famished. Esav tells Yaakov, Haliteni no mina odom odomazeh, pour down some of that red stuff down my throat, ki because I'm so famished. Now, as a matter of fact, that's the reason the Pussy tells us, Akin Kurashmo Edom. For future generations, the descendants of Esav, the, the nation was called the nation of Edom, the nation of red because of this statement that he had made, pour down the red stuff down my throat. So Yaakov tells them, not so fast, my friend. I'm willing to give you something to eat, but it comes with a price. I want you to sell your birthright to me this day. And Esav tells Yaakov, although Esav was the firstborn of the, of the twins, Listen, I'm going to die anyway. What do I need the birthright for anyway? And therefore, you can have it. Yaakov tells him, kayom swear to me, and he swears to Yaakov. And that day, he officially sold his birthright to Yaakov. Yaakov gave him food, gave him bread and the lentils, and gave him to eat and to drink. And Yaakov and Esav, when finished eating, he left and thereby scorned the, the birthright. See a very interesting idea in this in this dialogue, short few sentences between Yaakov and Esav, but about a, about a whole mindset about life in this world and the world to come. Yaakov is appreciation for spiritual the spiritual dimension for the world to come. Esav lives for the present. Esav's interest only in what's in front of him right now. Esav lives for the whole idea of instant gratification. He sees food over there. He's famished. He sees food. He doesn't even care what it is. Just pour the red stuff down my throat. I'm famished. Give me something to eat. Yaakov was concerned that the birthright that, representing, that represents the spiritual dimension, uh, ideals of Yaakov, of Avram and Yitzchak, rather, he was concerned that it remained in the hands of somebody like Esau who had no appreciation for it at all. So he tells them, if you want something in this world, then you have to be willing to, to be able to spend something for it. Are you willing to sacrifice the spiritual dimension for the physical? And Asa says he has no problem. He's going to die anyway, for that matter. It's interesting that the rabbis tell us, Talmud and Bracha says that a person always has to struggle between the, between the pulling of the Yetzir Tov, the good inclination, and the negative inclination. And if, it's, if he's successful, then fine. If not, the Talmud says that he should, he should study Torah. A person studies Torah that gives him the capability of being able to see things a little correctly, things in more, better, better balance. If he's successful in overcoming the Yetzirah was through the study of Torah, fine. If not, then he should say Krishma, say the Shema. The Shema is understand the Jew accepts upon himself the yoke of God's kingdom and the recognition of, of God, uh, godliness and his responsibilities in this world. 
that should be sufficient to help the person overcome the Yitzharah. But if not, then the Talmud says, Yezkeremisa, remember the day of death. If all else fails, remember the day of death. We're not here forever. And therefore, it's important to take advantage of every single moment that we possibly can when we're living in this world. So Talmud seems to tell us that that's the last-ditch effort. When all else fails, you remember the day of le- day of death, and that should be sufficient ammunition for a person to be able to overcome the Yitzhara, the evil inclination. On the other hand, here we see Esav telling Yaakov, I'm going to die anyway. What, need, what reason do I have to waste my time on the spiritual pursuits? Life is so short, I want to eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die. This seems to fly in the face of what the Talmud tells us, that the whole idea of death urges a person, pushes a person, goads a person to be able to, spirit, to, to follow the spiritual pursuits rather than the physical material pursuits. And here we see Ace of it is the exact opposite. Remembrance of the day of death goads him and pushes him to enjoy life in this in the sense, in the physical sense, the material sense, even more. Rebelli Apian dwells upon this question. He says a lot of it just depends on what the person's belief system is. If the, if the primary goal, idea of life is this world, then indeed, death has no bearing on spirituality at all. Death is the end when he's no longer able to enjoy things in life. When a person puts the focus, however, on the world to come, on the spiritual pursuits, then life in this world is just an opportunity, like Bishtim Perkyavas tells us. Life in this world is like the, is the vestibule to lead us into the ballroom. We have to try to be able to do what we can to be able to earn our way for passage into the ballroom. And the remembrance of the day of death just pushes us to remember that we're not here forever. And we have to try to do whatever we can as soon as we can. The Rosh Hashiva tells Rabbi Mordechai Gifter, used to say over that he was once on an airplane, once on a plane, and the plane hit turbulence. And the plane was shaking, and it was, it was a scary few moments over there. He immediately took out a Sefer Tilim, a book of Psalms, and started saying Tilim. He couldn't help but overhear somebody, a couple, a fellow, a couple rose up in front of him. They called up for the stewardess. Please, quickly, give me another drink. If we're going to go down, I want to make sure that I enjoy myself one last time before going down. He was amazed by this person that is literally, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we may die. Life is all about enjoying whatever whatever enjoyment I can possibly get of, out of the physical pleasures of life. And if, if I'm going to die, I want to be able to catch whatever I possibly can. That's Asaph. And Yaakov understood that. And that's why Yaakov told him that he's willing to give him the physical, the red stuff, in order to be able to satisfy his lust on the condition that he'd be willing to sacrifice and forfeit his, his claim to the spiritual dimension. At the time, Asaph had no problem doing that at all. But as oftentimes happens, later on we come to regret these types of decisions. And indeed, later on, Torah tells us quite a few years later, this what took place when they were 15 years old, that was tell us when they were 63 years old and Yitzchak wanted to give a bracha to his son, to Esav, and he tells him to prepare food, prepare delicacies for him to be able to be in a good mood in order that he'd be able to bestow his blessings upon Esav. Rivka overheard Yitzchak's instructions to Esav, and she was convinced that Yitzchak was making a mistake. 
she didn't have she didn't have the temerity to speak to Yitzchok to his face, but she understood that Esav had already lost his claim to the brachas to the blessings, and if she tells Yaakov that she's going to prepare the food for Yaakov to bring to his father instead, and she'll dress him up like Esav, she'll put the goat skins on his arms to make him feel hairier because. Esav was much hairier than Yaakov, and around his neck as well. And he'd bring the, he would bring the food to his father and receive the blessings instead. And reluctantly, Yaakov listened to his mother, and he brought the food to his father, and Yitzchak indeed gave the blessings to Yaakov. As soon as Yaakov left the room, Esav walks in. He says, my father, here I am. I'm ready to give you the food in order that I can get the blessings. Yitzchak, Yitzchak was blind. Yitzchak couldn't tell the difference between his two sons. Yitzchak tells Esav, what are you doing over here? Why understand? I just gave the brachas to you. I gave the brachas to Yaakov, to Esav a few minutes ago. He says, that wasn't me. I'm here right now. You must have given the brachas to Yaakov. And the Pussy tells us at that moment, that Esav screamed a bitter cry to his father. And he says, he tells his father, this is not just the first time that Yaakov took advantage of me. Please bless me also. And his father tells him, I can't, believe you. I can't give you the blessing. The blessing was already received by your brother. So Esau says, That's why he called him Yaakov. This is the second time that he tricked me. He took my he took my first part, my, my birthright, and now he's taking my blessings also. This is the first time Yitzchak had heard that Esav had sold the blessings, the birthright rather, to Yaakov. At this point, Yitzchak realized that Esav no longer, no longer never, didn't deserve the blessings at all. Esav may have been a young, young man at the time that he had given up his birthright. At that time, he had no appreciation for it, what it meant at all. At this point right now, he realized, though, that, that he, what he had given up. And he screamed bitterly, he says, my brother took advantage of me. The rabbis tell us, this is symbolic of the wicked, where malayim charotos, kirimon, the wicked who are full of regrets, like the pomegranates full of seeds. So many times they make choices, they make, make decisions impulsively, impetuously, without taking out any regard to what the future holds for them. Only later on, in retrospect, they realize the mistake that they made. But it's interesting because we'll see later on, at this point, Esav feels, okay, the blessings were given to Esav, to Yaakov rather. Yaakov would have the spiritual blessings. Yaakov would have his claim to the world to come. And Esav would have his claim to this world, to the Olam Hazeh. Esav was willing to sacrifice the Olam Abba. I'm going to die anyway. What do I need the life in the future world for? And But Yaakov was willing to sacrifice the pleasures of this world for the future. Esav is, is so upset he wants to kill Yaakov. And for that reason, Yaakov's parents send him away, send him to the house of Lavan, where he stays, everybody's tell us, for 20 years. And finally, when he's ready to come back, the posse tells us that he's ready to come back with, his, with a tremendous amount of wealth, and all kinds of animals and livestock and he had a large family too for that matter he had four wives and he had 12 children at that point in time already and he came back he came back loaded with 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 all the good that a person could possibly have asav had no such fortune the rabbis tell us before asav went to receive the blessings from his father 
he went to take his that he had left he had left his clothing, his beautiful clothing, in in his mother's in his under his mother's protection. That's when his mother came. She put the beautiful clothing on Yaakov when Yaakov had come to his father. Why did Esav leave his clothes in his mother's apartment? In his mother's, mother's in his under his mother's um, watch. He had he had, his own, he had his own wives also. Why wouldn't he leave it in his own home? The Midrash tells us because he didn't trust his wives. He had wives, it's true, but he couldn't trust them at all. And therefore, even Asav came to the recognition that if he wants to keep something intact, he has to give it to his mother to, for the, to keep it for him. When Asav comes to greet Yaakov, he comes and he sees all the, all, everything over there. Yaakov sent him a beautiful gift. Yaakov sent him all different types of animals and all kinds of, he wanted to send him a gift ahead. And although, it's interesting because although Esau was intent on killing Yaakov, when he sees the gift, it seems the gift won him over. Because that's what Esau was all about. Esau was about the instant gratification. That was that takes precedence of everything. You send him a great gift, literally it blinds them. Even, the, even the, his, his sworn enemy that he was going out to kill, he could win, the, the, the gift could win him over also. But it's interesting that when Asa first sees Yaakov, he tells them, "What's going on over here? Where did this, where, where did you get all this? All these all these belongings from?" The rabbis tell us that the question was, "I don't understand. You're supposed to have the world to come. You're supposed to have the spiritual dimension. How is that you're left with all the physical things over here, the material possessions? You have so much. I don't have that. I don't have what you have." I'm the one that's supposed to have the pleasures of this world. I see Yaakov coming with a family, with his women, with his wives and his children, and how, how disciplined they are and how respectful they are to him. And he comes with all of the all of his, his cattle and all the wealth that he comes. Asaph can only wish that for himself. Certainly Asaph was a hunter. Asaph had things in this world. But he obviously didn't have a very successful home. He wasn't very satisfied with his with, with his marriage. The children, he didn't have the same satisfaction with his children that he sees Yaakov having also, for that matter. Rabbis teach us, and Parshas Vayishlach, again, all the, all, all the different the sh- the shenanigans going on between the children of Esau, their morality in the, in the house of Esau. He didn't have the same satisfaction to be able to step back and to see a beautiful family, like Yaakov said, like Yaakov had. He says, this doesn't, this doesn't seem fair. I thought you sold me the portion in the world, this world. And that I would get the portion of this world, you get the portion of the world to come. How is it you have life in this world so enjoyable? Indeed, when when he first presents the gift to Esau, Esau says, Yeshli Rav, I have I have a, I have a lot. Yaakov says, Yeshli Akol, I have everything. Yaakov is perfectly satisfied with what he has. He has no needs even in this world. Esau says, it's true, I have much, but it's it's not everything. I would always enjoy more, I'd always appreciate more. The difference, of course, is though, Yaakov explains this to Esav, this is not in the Torah itself, but this is an understanding. Yaakov explains to Esav, what I have over here, this is not my portion of the world, this world. What I have over here is my portion of the world to come to. It's the same idea that when a person, for example, works for a company, they obviously are, are, they are privy to get, to get certain perks. When the company sends a person, for example, overseas or sends them out of town, they pay for the trip, they pay for that matter, they pay for the for his dining, 
and all the different types of things of enjoyment. And that's not taken off of his that's not taken off his paycheck either for that matter. Those are the perks that come together with the job. Yaakov explains to Asaph, it's certainly I have a lot of things over here. This is all part of this is the perks that I receive when I put my focus and dedication to living in the world to come. These are the perks that I, that come together with the job. I have, and thank God, I'm I'm fortunate of everything that I possibly could need. I have, I have I have animals. I have I have I have gifts. I have family. I have children. I have wives. Everything a person could possibly have, I have. I'm perfectly satisfied with my life. But that's not where I put my focus. The focus is indeed following fulfilling the will of Hashem, fulfilling the will of God. And when I do that, everything else comes together as as as, as a perk, so to say. Esav puts his focus on life in this world. But when the whole focus is on just how much I can amass, there's no pleasure in that. Certainly you might get you might make a lot of money, you'll be able to drive fancy cars, and be able to have fancy vacations, etc. like that. But at some point in time, a person can look back and realize it's all empty. Bayitzak Tzalka Gadoli cried a major scream. He says, you know, recognition. What did I do? My life, I see some life in front of me. What do I have to show for my life? Certainly I have the fancy cars and the fancy vacations and the fancy homes and the vacation homes, everything like that. But, uh, but what do I have to show for myself? My family. What do I have to show for myself and my family? So many times we'll see people that, that seem to be so, you, you think they would have everything. But what goes on behind closed doors, we can't say it all. Unfortunately, there might be marital, might be all kinds of marital problems, and there could be issues with children, so many different types of things. When the focus is on in this worldly type of pleasure, then really, really the, the pleasure is limited. And in, 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 in reality, if you look at it, it's, it's hollow. When the focus is on spiritual delights, the focus is on this world being the vestibule to the, to the grand ballroom, and fulfilling the will of Hashem to the extent that we're able to, at that point, everything comes together. A person can enjoy even life in this world. They say Aaron Cutler once told the person that one of his students that was a very smart, very smart young fellow that had been very dedicated to Torah study. And Aaron Cutler felt that he should dedicate his life to Torah study. But the fellow wanted to be able to go out in business and make a, make a name for himself. So he told his Rebbe, Rebbe Aaron Cutler before he left, Rebbe, don't worry about it. I'll always remain connected to the Torah world. And I'll be, become, if I become wealthy, I'll continue supporting the Torah world very much also, the yeshivas. And you've always taught us that when a person supports Torah, receives their same reward in the world to come as a person that studies Torah. And therefore, don't worry, I'm not, I'm not giving up anything. And Rebbe told his student, my, my, my dear student, that's certainly true, that in the world to come, you won't be giving anything up but I feel bad because we're giving up life in this world. I feel bad you're not going to be able to enjoy life in this world as much when you put your focus on trying to make another dollar and trying to earn more and more and more and the focus becomes a job. You're not able to enjoy life in this world. You can't enjoy your family. You can't enjoy, you can't enjoy things around you over here. I feel bad for you for that part of it, not so much the fact that you, will, you, lose, you won't have the same portion in the world to come. How fortunate we are that when we have a Torah, we have, we have the outlook of Torah, we have the capability of being able to live a life of Torah. How fortunate we are to be able to enjoy not only in the world, a portion of the world to come, but to be able to enjoy a portion of this world as well too. Have a great week. We'll see you again next week. Ever think about starting your own podcast? 
The Maverick Podcasting Network makes creating and running your podcast easy and fun. Visit maverickpodcasting.com to get started today.